You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe who helps people who feel far from God to know Jesus, cultivate freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're also a diverse tribe who welcomes everyone from bikers to bankers, PhDs to GEDs, every age, race, and walk of life. So whether you're a longtime Christ follower or a spiritual investigator, we hope you're encouraged through our content. Enjoy today's teaching. I already like this crowd the best of all the days because you guys are fired up, man. You're fired up. I like it. I like it. Hey, can we give it up for the band? How amazing was that? Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much. My name is Danny, and I'm so, so honored to be with you guys today. And if you're a guest with us today, uh, thank you so much for being here. You could literally be anywhere doing anything. And the fact that you've chosen to be here at City Try with us today it means so, so much. Um, I, I want to say to you, though, that you need to come back next week. Pastor Doug, one of my dear friends, is one of the best communicators of God's word that I know anywhere, honestly, anywhere. So come back next week so you can hear him. It's going to be amazing. I promise you. I'm going to just jump right in. Thanks so much for having me. Um, you, you ever wake up uh, sometimes or just get going in a day and, and you realize in spite of the, the sleep you got the night before, you're just tired. You're just, you feel, anybody ever just feel beat up? You just feel like worn out and you're thinking, man, I can't afford for one more thing to go wrong in my life, right? Come on. Like I can't afford, like I came back from vacation this week uh, with my family and we got there in our house. We had no water and our air conditioner didn't work. Uh, come on, somebody, you come in for vacation, relaxed, and that quickly turns into something different. Can I get a witness, Right. And, and so it's like, if, if, if I have traffic on the way to work today, I'm going to freak out. Come on, anybody? Real talk today, real talk. I'm going to cut somebody. Anyway, for Jesus, you know, for Jesus. I'll heal them later, but, you know, I, I have been there more times than I'd like to admit. And I want to talk about that a little bit today. I, I want to just say this. Um, I, I want to invite you um, to listen in to what God is telling me about me. This is one of those messages that God gives me, gave me for me. And uh, I hope um, you can relate. I, I don't think I'm alone when I say that my life is often uh, overscheduled and under-contemplated. Meaning that I tend to go from one activity to the next to the next, and it feels like it feels like my days are just one endless task list that I'll never quite get done. And at the very same time, I when I have unscheduled time, I tend to I, I can tend to fill it up with meaningless things. ESPN, come on. ESPN people in the house, you know, Netflix, social media. And what that means is that oftentimes the urgent things in life, and by that I mean the things that make the most noise in my life. Got to pay this, got to do that, got to do that. All that stuff that makes noise. Um, they end up crowding out the most important things in my life. To, to the extent that I find myself sacrificing time spent on eternal things for the sake of imminent things. And meanwhile, the clock is ticking on the things that actually matter, faith and family and my mission 
that God put, that God gave you, God gave me. And I think it's true. I could be wrong, but I think it's true that this kind of living is normal in our culture now. Go, go, go. Make it happen. Make it happen. Go fast. Like we're dragging our kids from one thing to the next because that's what's good for them. Like they need to have a well-rounded life. Kids supposed to be playing soccer. They're chasing a butterfly, but we're going to put them out there anyways. Can I, can I get an honest amen, right? And many of us have been sucked into a pace of life that very few of us actually enjoy. And it's an American thing. Other cultures don't do what we do. They don't drive, drive, drive like we do. And because it's normal in our culture, we just keep doing it without pausing to think, is this the best way to live my life? And, and a lot of that ends up leading to chaos and pain relationally. We're in a hurry at all times. And, and here's the truth, though. When you keep doing what I'll call crazy things, um, even though you know they're terrible for you and your relationships and your health or whatever, but you do them anyway, that's called addiction. And Americans are addicted to far more things than drugs or alcohol. We are addicted to so many things that are normalized in our culture today. And, and what happens is when we live like this over time, we eventually become unsettled internally. We don't even know why we've, we become unnerved. We become nervous. We have anxiousness. We become diseased, diseased, right? And so it's human nature when all of this happens inside of us to seek out for things that will bring comfort or numb us. And that's where many of our addictions take root in our lives. Our souls, our souls are frazzled. I don't know all of you. You don't know me, but I can guarantee you that many of you in this room today, if we were to somehow be able to x-ray your soul, we would find that it's jacked up a little bit. And in, in addition to all that, we're getting, we're getting bombarded by news at all times. A lot of us have our phones set up to give us alerts when things happen in the world. So it's like flood, guy got shot, shooting over here you know, uh, earthquake over here. Can, can, you, can, you, can you begin to comprehend what that does to our souls over time? The pace of life, the constant frenetic running, the hurry, and then getting all of this news. Like our souls were not made to move at the speed of smartphones. There's all kind of data out there that says it's killing us. It's especially jacking up our children and our teenagers. Maybe you can relate to the words of that great philosopher, Bilbo Baggins. Come on, somebody, right? He said one time, he said, I feel all thin and sort of stretched like butter that has been scraped over too much bread. I need a holiday, and I don't expect I shall return. In fact, I mean not to. Love that. Anybody feeling a little bit of that, right? I want to think about that through the lens of the scriptures uh, of a story that, that we learn, we read about in Luke chapter 10. It's um, a well-known story that features two women and Jesus, Mary and Martha. And here's what it says as this is verse 38, as Jesus and his disciples, if you take notes, you might want to underline that were on their way. They, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. 
She had a sister called Mary who, notice this, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But, meaning what Mary was doing, Martha was doing something totally different. Martha was, say this word with me, was distracted by all of the preparations that had to be made. By who? Who said, right? Self-inflicted. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And there's an exclamation point there. She's emphatic. And he says to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. And then he, he narrows the scope and says, indeed, only one. And Mary has chosen what is, say this with me, what is better and it will not be taken away from her. So, so context real quickly here, in case you're not familiar with this text or this kind of a story. Um, Jesus shows up one day and he comes to this, these friends' house. This is Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. We know Lazarus from other stories. Um, he apparently came here often. They were his friends, enough that they would just invite him in. Um, and like any good host in the time, there would be a meal that would be prepared on uh, the, their behalf. And we often will think this was Mary, Martha, and Jesus because they're the ones referenced. But we saw in that first verse that his disciples came with him. So there was very likely 13 people who weren't invited. Come on, can I get a witness who showed up to Martha's house and be like, we need to eat. Right. So those of you who cook. You know how stressful it is. If you're the cook in your house, I am in mine because um, I like to cook fancy things. Can I get an amen from the dudes in here? So I wanna, I, my meals cost way more than my wife's meals. Can I say it like that? Um, men be men. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and so it's very stressful already, but you add to that a holiday, Thanksgiving, Christmas. So you can understand why she's a little bit on edge, a little bit stressed out. And, and what starts out with her as a, as a spirit of hospitality devolves over time into a, 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 an embittered spirit that, that comes from pressure that she's feeling. The pressure that's, that she's feeling brings to the surface what's kind of in her heart. And I want to just say this. What we've learned over the last two plus years now is that crisis and pressure are revealers. What I mean by that is when you squeeze something, something comes out. And what we found out, and that's what's happening here, and what we found out is that pressure and crisis expose the weaknesses of our character in the moments when we're squeezed in life. And that's what's happening here. Martha's good cook, probably, right? She's cooking, not Mary. You notice that? Mary's supposed to be helping her, but she's the cook. She's probably showing up wanting to make an Instagram worthy meal. Come on, Instagram meals. Like, dude, I get so hungry just scrolling through Instagram now. I follow food people because look at me. You know, why wouldn't I? Right. Um, and so she's like, hashtag blessed, hashtag cooking for Jesus, hashtag my sister's lazy. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Meanwhile, Mary's over here and she's sitting at the feet of Jesus washing his feet. Now, this is a, this is a thing. Like these guys are walking through the streets like barefoot or in sandals. It's dirty. There's no sidewalks. There's cows and, and camels. Come on. You all know what's happening when cows and camels are there. There's stuff, right? So somebody's got to wash the brother's feet. And so Mary's doing this. But instead of washing his feet and hurrying back to help Martha, she just stays there. And it says she was listening to his words. The text is care. Luke is careful to notice that and note that. Martha's stressing out in the kitchen. She's getting angrier by the minute at her sister. But the question is, why? Why is she so angry at, at Mary? 
Why she's so stressed out. Luke hints at it, but he doesn't tell us explicitly what it is. But here's where we see it. Verse 40. Martha was distracted with all the preparations she had to make. Now, here's the thing I noticed. Think about, not in a room like this, think about in your living room and your kitchen. It wouldn't be exactly the same way in that time. But if Martha can see Jesus and Mary, she can also hear what Jesus is saying. But what is being said is white noise in the background of all of the urgent tasks that she's doing. So I think this is the key to the text. What is most important, which is what Jesus is saying, and being in the presence of Jesus is being drowned out by what is most urgent. What is most important is being missed because of urgent. And I think, I think Martha, I don't know this for sure, but I, I see a lot of me in Martha. So I'm just saying this is maybe what happened here. I think Martha has a deeper issue that I relate to, that while she's presenting the need to be a good host, what's really going on is her wanting them to see how hard she's working. Her wanting them to put some focus on her, to see her in a certain way, to see how, how successful she is, to praise her for doing a great job. There's, there's probably some deep insecurity that's driving all the efforts and that ensuing resentment of Mary. I think what's making her mad about Mary is something about Mary. Come on, somebody. Anyways, um, don't watch it. Don't watch it. It's not, it's not healthy for your spirit, man. Some of you aren't old enough to even know it. Don't look it up, all right? It's not that Mary isn't helping her. I think what's really making her mad is that Mary's doing what she should be doing. Like, I want to have the kind of relationship Mary has with Jesus, but I'm too busy working for him. And I think this is what Jesus was getting at when he said, Martha, Martha. And by the way, whenever you see the, the text repeat something twice, it's, it means pay more attention here. You are worried and upset about, he says, many things. And what he means by that is it's not about Mary not helping you that's bothering you. Let's just get honest about this, Martha. It's the stuff that's beneath the stuff. Like in our life, we get focused on certain things that we don't like, that we're struggling with. But most of the time, those are fruit connected to, that are being produced by a root. There's a struggle beneath the struggle. Do you see what I'm saying here? And this is what's happening here. And Jesus sees past her words and the posturing. And he cuts to the point, this isn't really about Mary, Martha. You have other things going on. And I think what was going on in Martha's life is what I have going on in my life sometimes. Maybe you can relate. And, and, and it's this need... To, to have people think I'm a somebody. Um, like, like an outsized need to feel like, like I'm winning on, at something. Like, 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 like in order to, to, to be seen by my friends or my peers as, as, as a guy who's got it together and he's got it going on, I have to accomplish these things. I have to you know, grow the church to this many people or whatever to feel like I'm winning. Now, yours is totally different than mine, but that's mine. But of course, the problem is, is in life, the closer we get to the, to the winning finish line, the line moves. You ever notice this? You, you feel like when, if I could ever get to this level, if I could ever get this much money, if I could ever get this, you get there and it's not satisfying because the line moves. So we strive and we reach and we stretch and struggle beneath the struggle. But, but in contrast to that, look at, look at Jesus. Forget Mary for just a minute. Look at Jesus. When, when you look at Jesus, you see the better way. Your, your way is better. We just sang it, right? Jesus is here at lunch or dinner or whatever the meal is. 
And when you read the gospel accounts of him eating, you will often find that he's reclined. Like he's sitting back, he's chilling, right? He's got his big red and his carne guisada, and he's going to eat it right up. And he's, come on, come on, all right? Anybody burro in the house today? I grew up on the south side, and we drank big red and carne guisada. All, like, and now I need it like as an injection for myself. Big red, baby. People come here from other states. They might as well come from another country. They don't get big red. Come on, big red is, big red is life. I mean, right? Sorry. I like big red a lot, and I'm on a diet right now, and I haven't had some in a while, so I got a little bit of the shakes. I don't even remember what I was talking about. Oh, he's relaxed. Yeah. I have ADD if you haven't figured that out yet either. Um, he never got in a hurry. Jesus didn't. Listen, not even when hurry was called for. We find about Mary and Martha and Lazarus when Lazarus gets sick and dies. Mary and Martha send a word to Jesus. Come quickly. The, the one you love is sick. He's about to die. Jesus stays two whole days more. His friend dies. He would disappear from his followers. They wouldn't even know where he was, and they would freak out. And then when they would see him, they'd be like, hey, Jesus, look, there's all these people here. What are we going to do? He'd go, I, I know they're there. Yeah, yeah, but they have needs. No, we're going to go away. We're going to go over on the other side, rest for a little bit. And they'd be like, well, what about all their needs? Yeah, we have needs too. Let's go and slow down. He was super busy, but never in a hurry, right? Busy, by the way, and hurried are not the same thing. Busy is a function of life, right? Busy is a function of your calendar, but hurry is the condition of your heart. So hurry is not just a disordered schedule or a calendar. And by hurry, I mean that kind of, come on, y'all. Come on, kids. Come on, come on, kids. Let's go. Come on. Yo, how many of you have done this to your kids? Come on, come on. You're like, come on. And you get mad because hurry breeds anxiety. Anxiety breeds frustration. Frustration breeds anger. Hurry is the root of all those fruits. It's a condition of the heart. And this is why in America we keep doing this stuff to ourselves because there's something inside of us that thinks I can take this, I can go at this pace and I can go and grind and, and work hard. And, and I'm not, we got to work hard. Okay. I'm talking about going past your limits, moving past your limits. And we keep doing it to ourselves, even though we know it's bad, we keep doing it because we think at the end, there's a huge payoff coming, but the huge payoff is an illusion. Everybody. In fact, there's a huge debt coming, which will show up in your marriage or in your relationship with your kids, or in your own health, as I've discovered in my own life. There's a bill coming, and it's not going to work that we skim our way through lives. Listen, Jesus was unhurried. He never ran anywhere. He was always walking wherever he went, and he accomplished his entire life's mission in three and a half years. He lived at the pace of grace. That's the message, by the way. The pace of grace, this is just my reckoning. The pace of grace is I'm going to do the best I can with what I have, and I'm going to trust my father with the rest. I'm going to do the best that I can, and I'm going to trust my father with the rest. Jesus says in Matthew 11, my, my yoke or my burden is easy and light, but most of us, even believers, we don't feel that way very often. In fact, can I ask you a few questions that I'm asking me right now? How often do you feel lighthearted? Are you happy much of the time? Honestly, when's the last time you felt carefree, like not a worry in the world? 
Do you have a sense of deep content in your life? Well, it's not real life, Danny. Really? Because Jesus said in John 10, 10, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full, the abundant life. Much of this is we're meant to live. Mary seems to get this. Martha doesn't. Martha's stressed. Martha's hurried. Martha's worried. Mary is relaxed, spending time with Jesus. But Mary isn't a slacker. Mary isn't lazy. She just understands and lives in the right priorities. Mary, I think, is actually perceptive about why Jesus is here. Martha thinks it's about a meal, but probably what Jesus wants was his friendship bucket filled, right? Hey, these are my friends. I love them. I'm, they're dear to me. I need my Martha. Don't man, stop stressing out, Martha. Just bring in some leftovers. Let's just hang out. Like, I don't, I don't need you to impress me with your effort, but Jesus, I'm doing all this for you. Martha, Martha, you, you think that what I'm impressed by is your productivity? For me, I'm more impressed by your presence. I think my kids might say that to me too. I'm pretty sure my spouse would say that. And I know that God would say, Danny, I don't, I don't need your productivity. I want you to sit at my feet. I don't have all of this right yet, but I'm working on it, okay? I'm not the guru on the mountain to tell you what to do and what not to do, because um, that's not me. But here's what I think. I'm, I'm learning in my own life, in my own way, that my pace, my calendar is far less about what I have to get done and far more about what I want to become. Does that make sense? Like, what do I, what, what, because we allow our schedules to get the way they are. We allow our lives to get consumed the way we do that to ourselves most of the time. Very rarely are people imposing on us. We choose this. Martha did. We choose this. Like, like for me, I, I want to be a really good dad. I have two teenage daughters. I know I look like a grandfather, but I'm not. Thanks for laughing at me. I appreciate that. You're supposed to go, no, bro, you look too. I, I, um, I have a 15-year-old and a 19-year-old daughters. I want to give them the best that I have. I want to make memories with them that they'll look back on fondly. I don't want to be building a pile of regrets for someday because I was too busy or too distracted to be fully present in the moments I have with them. I don't want to wake up one day and realize that I missed their most important moments because I was too busy I was too involved with other things. I'd like to be a man of deep prayer. I'm not always, but I'd like to be. I'd like to be fully uh, authentic human being, I, not to just sort of skim over life or hydroplane through all the ups and downs emotionally. I, I'd like to experience life deeply. I'd, I, I want to savor the, the, every bit of the mystery and the wonder and the joy and the love of marriage. And that's not done in a hurry. I want to have deep and intimate and open and life-giving friendships. I want to have my mind more formed by the scriptures than it is by Netflix or news or social media. In fact, I'd, I'd love to do what the psalmist did in Psalm 23 when he said, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Meaning I'm at peace with my lot in life. And he says, who makes me lie down in green pastures and who 
leads me beside the quiet waters, the still waters, the waters of rest is what it means. And do you know why he makes me lie down? Do you know why he leads me beside the quiet waters? Because there he does his best work in me. He restores my soul. I like that because truth be told, truth be told, my soul gets really jacked up in life by the pace of life, by the pressures of life, by spiritual assaults against me, by, by people. Come on, wouldn't the world be better if there weren't any people? Come on, somebody, you know what I'm saying? If it weren't for the people, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Some of y'all know a little bit though. And I've learned that anything that jacks with my peace, the shalom of God in my life, will ultimately destroy my happiness and my fulfillment and my contentment. And and for all of this stuff that I want to become, I'm going to have to be more like Mary and less like Martha for that to happen. In fact, I would say this. What if our sense of the presence and the nearness of God in our lives is in inverse proportion to the pace of our lives. Let me, let me say it this way. What if the more hurried our pace, the less we sense God's presence and God's nearness? What if the more hurried we live, the less peace we experience? What if that's true? I think it is. So, so here's what Jesus says to Martha. Look at it again. Verse 41, Martha, Martha. You are worried and upset about many things, but a few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary's chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away. You are worried and upset about many things. And I want you to know that when you get in a hurry in life, it breeds hurry, breeds worry. And worry breeds frustration, and frustration builds anger. That's why so many people are so angry in our, in our world. But what does he mean, though? Why is... Mary's way better. Well, Martha's way is the way of hurry, as we've seen. It's the way of, I got to be seen as a somebody. Mary's is the way of grace. I already am somebody because Jesus loves me, has called me, has named me. And, And I think what Jesus is saying when he says, Martha, Martha, is I don't think you're bitter at what Mary has done or not done. I think you're bitter at what you've done to you, Martha. So what does Martha's way look like? I'll just tell you what it looks like mine. I'm quick. I'm going to close quickly now. For, for me, it, it shows up in anxiousness, fidgetiness, tapping my foot, restlessness. I, I don't find myself deep breathing. I don't find myself deep. I, I realize I'm just breathing shallow, right? I, I find it th- this need to, to, to image, do image management. I find when I'm not walking at the pace of grace, I'm worried about what other people think about me all of the time. And, and I will try to live my, I find myself trying to live my life, uh, trying to measure up, but, but measure up everybody, measure up to what? And see, when I think about it, I don't know. Measure up to what? The best way I can think of it is a, it's a shadow, a shadow I will keep trying to measure up to a shadow, but that as I move, it moves so that I don't ever really measure up. And this keeps me in striving mode rather than striding mode. Striding is long, purposeful steps in the same direction, which is the pace of grace. And all of this, the opposite 
of abiding with Jesus, which Sean 15 talks about, which is smooth and joyful and peaceful. Can, can we just do real talk for a minute? Some of us in this room right here are chasing shadows that were cast over us by words that were said over us by mom or dad or a grandparent or an ex or a teacher or some authority figure trying to prove to him, trying to prove to her that, that I had what it takes, that I was worth it, that, I, that I'm good enough. It's what's got you in striving mode. It's what's had me in striving mode. It's other people's words, us chasing a shadow, but it's not the shadow that God puts on our lives. So, so we are compulsive about trying to prove things about us that God has already said are true about us. God says, I, you're my beloved son. You're my beloved daughter. I love you with an everlasting love. I love you so much that I sent my son Jesus Christ to die on a cross for your sins. The, the, the worth, the value that you have in my eyes is incalculable. But I'm over here trying to make sure somebody thinks and somebody knows and hey, somebody tell me I'm valuable. And I think this is what part of what James was getting at in James 1 when he says that every good and perfect gift, in other words, all the stuff that we're all striving to get, actually just comes down from above, from the Father, the heavenly lights. And notice this, who does not change like shifting shadows. I'm chasing a shadow based on some words that were spoken over me years ago or words that weren't said to me that should have been said. And the God, the God of heavens, who every good gift comes from and every perfect gift comes from, the shadow he casts on me never changes. It's locked in on unfailing love, tender mercies, compassion, grace. And so recently, as I was thinking through all of this, the Lord just dropped into me this psalm. Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. Danny, be still. Know that I am God. Two commands. First is to be still. And, and the literal translation of this is not be still, which is a call to contemplation and slowing down. It's actually the word is cease striving. If you look at the NASB, this is exactly how it gets translated. Cease your striving and know that I am God. The idea is of, is, is of dropping your hands. Stop grabbing. Stop grasping. Drop your hands. Trust that I am God, that I have it all under control, that I have a good plan. I have a good track record for you. I'm here for you. That, that as you come to know me, you're going to find that I'm good. That I'm faithful. You can count on me. Surrender to me as God. I think that in my own life, because of what my role is in life as a, as a pastor, I can assume that God's will for me is only the biggest and the best and the brightest. And that assumption, which isn't true, can lead to a presumption that I'm on mission in my life as I sacrifice my family, sacrifice my health, sacrifice my 
the joy of the team that I get to work with, all trying to do God's will. But I have a sense that one day I'm going to come before the Lord, and if I keep run, if, I, if I keep doing what I've done in the past, that He's going to be like, Danny, I never asked you to do any of that, bud. All I ask you to do is to be faithful to do what I called you, to lead people, to love people, to sit at my feet, worship me, and then trust me with the results. Be still. Shh. Get quiet, Danny. And know that I am God. Mary learned what most people never do, that one moment in the presence of Jesus can change everything. In fact, one moment in the presence of Jesus is worth 10,000 hours of me striving. So listen, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you hurting? Are you broken? Are you anxious? Are you fearful? Are you worried? Be still and come to Jesus. My littlest daughter, Naomi, she's tiny. She keeps getting older, but she doesn't get really much bigger. When she was very little, I would get on my knees and she'd come in and I'd say, hey, baby girl, come here, come here. And I'd get down to get on her level and I'd say, come here, bring it in, bring it in, come to daddy, bring it in. She'd run across the room and I'd hug her up. I'd bless her and I'd tell her how great she was, how much I was proud of her and love her. I don't always do that. I'm not really that good of a dad, probably. But I, I, it made me think that when you're tired and you're stressed out and you're worried and you're frustrated by life, there's an invitation on the table by Jesus himself to come to me. Here's how he says it, Matthew 11. This is from the message. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. The NIV says, come to me and I will give you rest for your souls. See, the issue for us is we think a vacation or some days off are going to do it, but some of us are tired and broken at a soul level. And the only thing we can do with that is he says, walk with me work with me, watch how I do it, and then this line, learn the unforced rhythms of grace, the pace of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You believe that? So, Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your presence that's been in this room from the very beginning of this day till this moment right here. God, God, I'm praying for people that I know here right now are hurting, are conflicted, are exhausted, are confused, are disappointed, are struggling, that struggle beneath the struggle. And I'm just praying that they will find rest for their souls, that they will trust that you are good. They will drop their hands and cease their striving. Come to you. They will have a come to Jesus moment. I'm praying your strength 
and your rest and your blessings and your best over all these folks, God. Anybody who's going to see this online, right there at home, right wherever they are, praying your blessings over them, your strength, and your goodness. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Everybody said a good amen. Hey, thank you guys so much for letting me be with you today. Thanks so much. Does anybody feel your shoulders just a little bit lighter right now, feeling a little more rest? And I think that Danny's word all day long has just brought rest to so many of us in all the different services today. You know, he's been a dear friend that we, you know, we talk shop and I get Danny's advice on stuff, but most of all, he's just been a dear friend to me who understands what it's like to deals with the deal with the rigors of being a pastor and that. And so I just thank God that he graciously granted me a friend in Danny Rivers. He's an amazing dude. And so as we wrap up today, just a couple of things that I want to just make you aware of or uh, let you know about is that next Sunday, we start a brand new series. You guys are going to have to deal with me for six weeks in a row as we start a new series and it's called Live Up. And the question is, how do you identify? Now, some of you are used to uh, political parties or people with social agendas telling you who your, agenda, who your identity is or who you are. But when you follow Jesus, you don't necessarily listen to all of that. You block that out and you look to the scriptures, the inspired word of God to tell you who you are and what your identity is. And so we're going to be going chapter by chapter through the New Testament book of Ephesians starting next Sunday. So make sure and come on back for that every week during the six-week series of living up to your identity in Christ, right? And so uh, another thing I want to make you aware of is our worship through our financial stewardship and generosity. You know, when you're seeking to follow Jesus, you want to live in the ways that he lives. And how many of you know Jesus is the most generous person ever? John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. He gave his very life, and that's being generous. And there are certain, uh, many different, certainly many different ways that we're to be generous in our lives in and outside of the church as well. And so one of the things we do when we follow Jesus is we're generous with his resources, with, with his resources he's given to us to steward in order to further his kingdom causes. You know that our church is a platform for the poor, the people that don't have a voice for themselves. See, and so not only do we serve people who are homeless families here in San Antonio and people within our church, but people in Africa and Mexico and in Europe. And so I'm so grateful for the generosity that you guys bring that allows our church to make such an impact, not just here, but in other parts of the world. There are four ways to pull that off. In case you're new here, you can mail in your tithes and offerings to the PO box number that you see on screen. You can also text to tithe. If you do everything by texting, then that's the best way for you. Just follow the instructions on screen. Or you can go to our website, citytribe.church slash tithe. Or you can go to the giving stations that are located near the exits of the theater. There's one over here to my left, your right, by the doors down in front of the stage. There's also one in the lobby. So before you guys go and worship through your generosity and financial stewardship, let's stand together and receive a word of benediction over us. If you're with your crew, go ahead and put an arm around someone. Put your hand out in a position to receive. Dear brothers and sisters, as you walk from this place, may you not walk as Marthas who are all stressed out about the troubles of life, but may you walk from here as Mary's having sat at the feet of our good Lord Jesus, walk from here in rest at the pace 
of grace. You guys have an amazing Sunday, and we'll see you next time. Peace. We're glad you were a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check the City Tribe YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, or our website, citytribe.church. May you go from this podcast knowing that you are loved.